Good morning, all. We did a really good job cleaning the stage. There used to be a, a nice little platform here for water, which is now who knows where. But, so. but I will need this. Then, Aaron, thank you so much for uh, bringing us before the throne this morning in worship, and thank you for the worship team. And a special shout out to the drummer. I'm very aligned with the drumming here. And thank you for uh, anyone here that is a guest uh, today. As we had seen on the sabbatical update from Tim and Wendy, our pastor is um, on sabbatical until December. Uh, so we are, um, the elders are taking turns uh, preaching and uh, going through the word. So um, hang with us. Every week's going to be a little different, hopefully uh, some excitement uh, as we uh, each have our own uh, personalities uh, in presenting. Uh, this week has been uh, a bit of a challenge, so uh, just speaking with uh, Craig as we um, prepare for uh, preaching, there's a heavy burden that uh, the words that we speak are from the Lord and that our uh, 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 thoughts and all that we do uh, glorify him. So it's not with a, uh, you know, a small weight uh, that we come before the throne before the uh, congregation. Um, so I had asked Monday, am I extremely loud or is that just me? <laughs> kind of loud? Thank you, Jim. <clears throat> Thank you, John. Um, so uh, this, earlier this week I had uh, asked for prayer put out on the list, sir, please pray for me as I uh, prepare uh, and uh, and so many people have uh, responded to that. I feel like this is a participation sport because I had so many people praying, encouraging, texting, emailing. So thank you, and I appreciate your prayers this morning. I did receive one uh, email that I thought I should read to you as an encouragement. Um, so a dear sister said, uh, committing to pray for you this week as you prepare. So sorry that you have to follow art. I'm a sucker for a sermon that has a physics lesson included. So, but thank you for the prayers. And there will be no uh, discussion of TCIP and the protocols that go together to network our computers. Uh, so I wanted to start today with a, a sabbatical update. And I didn't tell Josh this, so the video sort of uh, preceded uh, my timing in the sermon, which was supposed to be where my heart rate would slow down uh, while we watch uh, Tim and Wendy. Um, uh, but we're good with that. Uh, so, oh, and also I'll, I'll be sticking pretty close to my notes today um, with that. Stay with me. Uh, the message that we have today is excellent. Uh, it's from the Word of God. So... Uh, uh, the entertainment value may be low, but the value of the, the words would be high. So, uh, so hang in there with me. Um, so I did want to note, uh, Tim had uh, uh, been home for about three days this week. The elders were able to get out to breakfast with him. Uh, we had just a great time of catching up. Uh, he had really disconnected uh, from everything for about three weeks. Uh, he said the only time he uh, used his cell phone was to call his brother on his birthday. He's not received any texts, or at least read them, not received any emails. Uh, so he 
uh, and Wendy really took some time apart uh, just to sit and wait on the Lord. Um, so we thank him for that dedication, and um, uh, the time that we had together was sweet. And while we've been missing Tim and Wendy, certainly for these last four weeks, uh, I say that the church really hasn't missed a beat, or at least no extra beats than typical. So yeah, we're, we're far from perfect. Uh, but I want to just shout out to Josh, Aaron, Stuart, and Sue, who have been doing a great job of uh, maintaining uh, the ministry uh, with Tim's absence. And that's a pretty big hole, knowing Tim. Uh, I kind of call him a cyclone because he, he just uh, covers so much ground and uh, pulls so many people in, uh, which is uh, such a blessing. So, you know, it's um, noticed with him being gone. And the church has uh, responded well, too, with uh, visiting many who have been sick recently, um, hospital visits, and uh, stepping up in those areas where uh, perhaps a pastor had done that in the, in the past. In full transparency, the elders have also been enlightened uh, to areas where we need to pick up our game. So by having uh, the separation of Tim gone, we're seeing some areas that we have been lax, uh, that we need to tighten up some. I think an analogy may be helpful here, just to describe this a little bit. Uh, do we have any tennis players or tennis fans with us? This is your participation opportunity. Okay. Um, so years ago, there was a uh, great tennis player called Rod Laver. Does that ring a bell? Not at all. Too far behind, so I'm dating myself. Thank you. Thank you. I see a hand. Um, so Rod Laver was a really good tennis player. But what I noticed or remembered most about him wasn't how he hit the ball, uh, but what his arms looked like. So he's a left-handed player, similar to myself, um, but his left arm looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger just because he used it so much, like this massive arm. His right arm, on the other hand, was, looked like it was atrophied, uh, similar to olive oil, another old shout-out. And we have a picture of her. Yeah, so we have, you know, this big arm and little arm. So that, that idea uh, of, of separation. Um, so what, as a church, what we really desire is two strong arms, right? So we look more like Popeye, who he should be coming up next. If you're not like 55 or older, you have no clue who these people are. Uh, but this used to be the only thing we saw on TV. So, um, so you know, Popeye's strong, both arms, and, uh, and then those together, it's just love, love, Popeye and olive oil. So I'm not drawing a direct correlation to Tim being the strong arm in the church and elders and everyone else being a weak arm. But I just mention this as an encouragement to all of us that we are one body and that we develop strong ministry muscles together, so individually and corporately. The reason for that is so the gospel of Jesus Christ would be strongly proclaimed in our community, in our church, and that we'd be healthy uh, as a body. While Tim is away, let's concentrate on building our ministry muscles. Let's lean on one another instead of feeling that we need to take all our issues to a single person or a small group of people. The body of Christ has been gifted 
for body life ministry. So let me encourage all of us to grab an oar and row together. I love the quote, you cannot rock the boat if you're too busy rowing. As we look at today's scripture, Paul is encouraging all of God's people to grow and mature in the Lord. As I often say, growth rarely happens without pain. If we think about that in terms of exercise and strength building, it's hard work to get off the couch, get dressed for exercise, strap on your shoes, and go out into the cold weather for a run or workout. But after we get home, we feel great and are glad we made the effort. While none of us typically seek pain, we do eagerly desire the benefits of the painful work. As we will see in our text this morning, Paul was no stranger to pain. Before we get there, though, let's pause and pray. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to come before you, Lord, to uh, look into your word. And Father, thank you for leaving us clear direction, uh, clarity of um, how we should live as believers. Father, I pray that you would use these uh, words this morning, that they would be encouraging, that they would be uh, of you, Lord, that they would be God-breathed. Father, we pray that you would um, uh, just help us to connect with uh, the message this morning. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth, uh, the meditations of my heart would be pleasing unto you uh, this day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. And I apologize for this mic. It's driving me crazy, so... Okay, why don't we read the text together? And this is Colossians 1, 24 to 2, 5. And if PowerPoint comes back up, you can read it with me. Um, so, NIV version. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of the body, which is the church. I have become its servant by commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So the title of, uh, title of today's message is servant of the mystery. The outline that we'll be looking at, uh, first, the compulsion of Paul. Secondly, the commission of the proclaimers. 
And third, the connection of the church. And that is teed up for Stuart. Golf ball, teed up. Okay, thank you, thank you. Uh, and also, please note the uh, alliteration. Is that the right word, Aaron? All the C's coming together. So, yeah, that's not a, you know, didn't happen by accident. And I feel bad for Tim that does that every week for us. Um, I'm going to be spending most of my time uh, on the first two points. Uh, third point uh, will be pretty brief. So if we look at verse 24, it says, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. And also the next slide. This verse uh, can be challenging, and, and of the section of scripture, this is the one that I would say causes the most uh, questioning. That, that phrase, um, uh, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. It, it, it sounds like there may be um, that Christ's sacrifice has shortcomings or wasn't enough that we may need to add some of our own work and effort in order to make Christ's work complete. That there is something more needed in addition to Christ's sacrifice in order for us to be saved. And I think, you know, do we understand the gravity of what that would mean for us as believers? If salvation is dependent upon Christ plus something, what would that something be? And how much of it would we need to gain in order to have salvation? Do you understand the despair that this situation would bring? All of the world's religions besides Christianity are founded on this principle of working their way to heaven. Praise the Lord that this is not true for believers in Christ. Jesus' sacrifice paid for all of our debts and covered all of our sins, past, present, and future. So we ask the question again, is there something lacking in Christ's sacrifice on the cross? And the answer, no. Uh, in Hebrews 10, 12 to 14, it says, but when Christ had suffered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. In Hebrews 10.10, 10, says, We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So his sacrifice on the, on the cross was complete and final. There is nothing we can add. Our response is to receive and believe of what Christ has done for us. Now let me pause here for a, a moment just to offer to anyone here that is fearing for what comes after death or is hoping that they have been good enough or have done enough good deeds in order to gain God's favor for eternal life that just know that today can be your day of salvation. First John 5.13 says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. That's not just hoping or guessing, but that you'll know that you have eternal life. If you are in that camp of not sure, have I done enough? Am I good enough? 
Uh, I would encourage you to talk with myself afterwards, any of the elders, deacons, worship team, people that you saw up here, uh, and just that we can walk through scripture together uh, to let you know that there is surety of salvation uh, offered. Turning back to the verse then in uh, uh, verse 24, how then do we interpret this text? When Paul says, fill up in my flesh what is still lacking, he is referencing the pain, suffering, and abuse that he has previous, previously experienced and is currently experienced and anticipates to continue experiencing while carrying out his ministry to God's church. Colossians was written by Paul while in prison. We believed chained between two guards, and he dictated his letter to those who were attending his needs. Uh, Tychicus uh, is mentioned in 4 7, chapter 4 7, and uh, Onesimus is another uh, individual that would be uh, uh, attending him, as well as uh, Timothy, who's mentioned in the first chapter. His current situation was beyond desperate according to our current understanding of suffering. But to Paul, it was simply God's will for him at that place and time. And he anticipated a continuing life of suffering as he continued to preach the gospel. When he says, I fill up in my flesh, he is referring to his own suffering tank, if we can use that as a word uh, or phrase, uh, which his tank was already reasonably full. When he says what is still lacking, he is stating that his suffering tank still has room for more suffering, which he fully expects to continue filling while serving the church. Paul was not a masochist finding pleasure in suffering, but his compulsion to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ resulted in suffering, and he counted it a privilege to suffer for his kingdom work. We can look at uh, some of the deposits already in Paul's suffering tank if we turn to 2 Corinthians 11, 28, or 25 to 28. Here we, we read, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked a night and a day. I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from all other things, there is the daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches. So from this resume, if you would, of suffering, we just see Paul's love and commitment to the body and what he has already endured to bring the message. Uh, and it's the message that we have in our hands today. As we consider these verses, you and I are not exempt from difficulties in this life nor should we be surprised by them. Matthew 10:22 states, you will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Hopefully some of our difficulties are a result of living our lives for the Lord as opposed to creating difficulties by living lives contrary 
to the word of God. Regardless of how we have difficulties, and they do come, let me encourage all of us to allow these difficulties to drive us closer to the Savior as opposed to being a wedge that would move us away from God, who is our only hope in this life. Okay, moving down in the text, we're going to look at the mystery next. Verse 25 says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what is this mystery that Paul is talking about? If we look at 1 Timothy 3.16, it says, beyond all question, the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, was vindicated by the spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the mystery that Paul has been compelled to preach. How is this mysterious, you may ask? No one? Okay. <laughs> Those of us who have walked with the Lord for decades may have lost the sense of this mystery because it has become so familiar. Our relationship with Jesus is a personal, real, tangible reality that the world looks at and doesn't understand. God generally is not experienced through our earthly senses, such as hearing, seeing, and touch. But his existence is unquestionable to his people, to those who know his voice and do experience him daily. For those that don't know our Savior, this truly is a mystery. It is our job to tell the world about this mystery. As the Christmas slogan goes, wise men still seek him. This brings us to our second point this morning, the commission of the proclaimers. I believe this is the hinge verse of this portion of scripture and the one that requires our full attention. So if we read uh, Colossians 1.28, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That last phrase in the 1984 version of the NIV, which I prefer, says, so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. New American Standard reads, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. And ESV also says, present everyone mature in Christ. Presenting every person, and look around, this is who the letter is written to, our church here at Big Woods, perfect, complete, and mature in Christ, that sounds far from an easy job. If it wasn't for the sin problem that plagues all of us, it probably would be an enjoyable and easy task. Dealing with the sin problem is the primary task at hand, and it is messy and sometimes difficult. But at other times, it truly is joyful uh, as we uh, turn uh, from sin and turn towards Christ. 
The action verbs listed in this verse are proclaiming, admonishing, or warning, as well as teaching. So proclaiming and teaching are familiar and comfortable words, but admonishing and warning can be prickly. Admonishing means to advise or urge earnestly. Warning means a statement or event that indicates a possible or impending danger, problem, or other unpleasant situation. Both of these verbs convey a sober urgency to complete a task of utmost importance. So what is this task? Simply to move the entire family of God into a state of spiritual maturity. Sounds easy. So the task, again, to, that we've been given is to move the entire family of God into a state of spiritual maturity. What does spiritual maturity look like? Here are some biblical references that you can look up later. So Romans 12, 9 to 21, Colossians 3, 1 to 14, and 2 Peter 1, 5 to 9. There are others. In short, think of spiritual maturity as building spiritual Popeye muscles, if we can go there, which is the goal of every believer. It doesn't happen overnight, nor with ease. It is the result of a lifetime of commitment and discipline to which every believer is called. Citing Matt's sermon from two weeks ago, we all need to be in the word and in prayer on a daily basis. These are the foundational tools for spiritual growth that cannot be overlooked. Growth will not come without these disciplines being in our lives. Getting back to the text then, to whom has this task of moving the family of God into spiritual maturity been given? I interpret Paul's words, we, in this verse, to refer to the leadership of the church, certainly the office, office of pastor and elder, uh, which in scripture is the same office. Included with this would be the teachers among us, small group leaders, Bible study teachers, and anyone else who proclaims the word to others. So does that exclude the rest of us who don't currently serve in those areas? Certainly not, because all of us are gifted to serve the body of Christ. If someone is not serving in one of the roles previously mentioned, they still may be gifted to support the body in other ways, such as hospitality, gifts of service, administration, evangelism, and encouragement. We all have a part to play in maturing the body of Christ and with the sharing of the mystery of the gospel to our community. We are one body with one head, who is Christ the King. All of us are commissioned with the task of being fully mature in Christ. For scripture references on spiritual gifts, uh, you could look at 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, as well as Romans 12. And I do want to emphasize that we have an individual responsibility to mature, as well as a corporate responsibility to help one another mature. If we look at um, Ephesians 4, uh, next slide, 11 to 12, chapter 4, 11 to 12, says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. 
At Big Woods, our pastors, elders, teachers, and home group leaders' primary responsibility is to equip the body of Christ so that all of us are prepared to share the mystery of the gospel with our families and community. As we are all hearers of the word, let's also be doers of the word. It will take work and discipline for us all, but the fruits of our labor will be well worth the suffering we may experience. And I use suffering in quotes for what we see um, in our daily lives now. Another tool that I want to mention, if you pull out your uh, bulletin, uh, there's a uh, insert, looks just like this, uh, that says Church Covenant, printed from the Big Woods Bible Church bylaws. Anyone who has gone through new members class in the last five years has read this, and uh, we've discussed uh, and walked through it. This um, church covenant would be a proclamation for all the members at Big Woods to say, this is what I uh, desire to aspire to as a member of Big Woods Bible Church, I would say as a believer in Christ. My homework for all of you, uh, I can do that because I'm up here, you're down there, uh, is that you read through this today uh, before going to bed and anything that you read that you think, you know what, I need to do a little bit better here, uh, just underline. And then once that's underlined, seek out how to grow in those areas. So there, you know, talk to the elders, talk to your home group leader, say, these are some areas in my life that I want to improve on or that I'm struggling with. Um, also mentioned in the church covenant is that members will pursue a personal ministry in the church. If you would like to step up your service to the body, please follow up with one of the elders or the church office, and we will do our very best to plug you in. Service to the body is an excellent tool to develop spiritual growth or those Popeye spiritual muscles. Uh, when we get out of our comfort zone, when we try, have to step up into something that is new to us. Uh, the hard work that comes as a result of that um, need, those are the things that really grow us closer to the Lord. All right, third point, uh, the call to the community. The connection of the church, which is the body, must stay connected to the head, who is Christ Jesus. Uh, so we read, uh, yeah, chapter 2, uh, 1 to 5. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. May all of us today be encouraged in heart and united in love as we exist as a healthy body connected to the head who is Jesus. If we read in Colossians 1.18, it says, He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, 
so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Colossians 2.4 says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. My primary message for this section of scripture is to remind us as a church and as the body of Christ to stay connected to the head, who is Jesus. In him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that this generation so desperately needs. We need to stay true to his word so that we are not pulled away by fine-sounding arguments and bad theology. May you and I be encouragers of the body and uniters in love. In conclusion, thank you. Um, today we looked at Paul's suffering for the gospel, our call to present every person fully mature in Christ, and our need to stay connected and true to Jesus, who's the head of the church. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for uh, the word that you have left for us, the direction that you have given us. In its simplicity, it's not hard. We need to follow you. We need to obey your uh, principles. And, um, and Father, just have our, our hearts fully aligned uh, to your will. In practice, that's really hard. Uh, we have uh, sin that fights against the plan that you have for us. Uh, but Father, you have given us this body, the individuals sitting here next to us, left and right, to help us to know you more, to uh, mature us in you. And Father, ultimately to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to this community. And Father, we pray that you would release your spirit, that you would bring revival to our land, uh, that we would see lives turn to you and um, families restored. We praise you and thank you, and it's your son's name we pray. Amen.